Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto. Today, we have a great show lined up for you. We will be joined by Congressman Cloud of District 27. You guys might remember him. He was actually the congressman that got to ride on Air Force One with the president, President Trump. But first, before we bring him on, I want to tell you a few things that are happening at Shell Magazine. Be sure to join us December 3rd. They are having what they call a mix bow, which is a mixer and an expo combined. It will be a sold out event. The date of this event is December 3rd again in Corpus Christi, Texas. Beautiful Omni Hotel. For more information, please be sure to go to shellmag.com. Again, that's shellmag.com. Or go to Shell's Facebook page where they have an event. You can click right there. You can get tickets. You can become a sponsor. But one thing is for sure, you don't want to wait. Because if you wait, it will be sold out the way the last couple of mixers have been. So come out and join us December the 3rd in beautiful Corpus Christi at the Omni Hotel in which they will be having the Shell and Sapa San Antonio Pipeliners Association Mixpo. Hey, have you heard about the fastest growing energy advocate group? It's called TEAK. Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. It's a group that you want to definitely join. If you support energy, if you want to mix it up and do a lot of networking with this organization, they have many, many mixers and many, many events throughout the year. And it's free to join. So for more information, go to TXEnergyAdvocates.com. Again, that's TXEnergyAdvocates.com. And let me give you a sneak peek as well of the latest issue of Shell Magazine in which their cover is Alan Gilmer. Now, you guys might or might not be familiar with Alan Gilmer, but he is a powerhouse of a man and is now changed into a different company named Inverus, in which it launched a whole bunch of new products that help in the oil and gas sector, but also outside of the oil and gas sector. I'm giving you a sneak peek because this one is going to go fast as far as being put out in the community. But of course, you can always view Shell Magazine for free when you go to shellmag.com as long as you have signed up for their free newsletter. To get the latest issue of Shell Magazine, please go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And now it's time to bring on our resident energy expert, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. We needed rain. I don't know about where you are, but in San Antonio, it's been raining and cold and uh i i love this weather it's it's downtime you know you you go 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 it's so beautiful you don't want to stop but when it's uh nice and sunny you you tend to be out more and when it's nice and rainy and cold you stay inside with the fire going and some hot coffee right it's awesome i know (laughs) everybody's like wait what (laughs) hey so several companies the ceos like scott sheffield from pioneer who has been on our cover before been on shell's cover before and mark papa with centennial well they recently said that the peak of the permian basin drilling is now over that's to me a, a little 
shocking in some ways, but what do you think? Do you think this is the case, and do you agree with them? Well, far be it for me to ever disagree with Scott Sheffield and Mark Papa. Um, they're two of the smartest guys in the business, obviously. Right. And, uh, you know, I, they're both producers out there, uh, have companies operating in the Permian Basin, so they know what's going on. I think, um, you know, and, and looking at the energy-related news media coverage of those statements, there's always uh, an overreaction. Whenever uh, guys like this who are, you know, very smart and in high positions in the industry, really respected, say something, it always gets blown out of proportion. You know, they're just talking about this is the natural progression of any oil boom. Uh, yeah, I think probably the the number of rigs peaked about a year ago this month, actually. And um, we've gone down almost 30% in the number of rigs since that time uh, that are actively drilling wells. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what, what happens in any boom is you, you drill your best locations first if you're an operator out there. You're looking to maximize production, you know, in your first group of wells that they're drilling for the most attractive rock in the most attractive locations. And, you know, for about the last 10, 12 months, people have been talking about that, that really most companies have, have accomplished that now. And so the level of activity is going to slow down and, and as companies go into the development phase of this gigantic uh, region out there that's the size bigger than South Carolina. Um, so there's a lot of additional drilling that's going to take place. I mean, it's going to be for the next 10, 15 years, there's going to be very active drilling in the Permian Basin as uh, these companies get more and more of that production out. So, well, yeah, it's slowed down, but it's not, it's not like we're about to go into some big bust out there. Right. It's not over. But what do you think about also, there's a lot of discussion about Wall Street had pulled back the reins because operators really had not been returning a good rate of return to their investors. Not to mention the fact that it kind of seems like, you know, shell producers, their understanding that being, uh, you know, watching the bottom dollar is really vital right now at this point because there's just not a lot of spread. And that also tends to come in and, and cause some slowing in how many rig, uh, you know, how many permits are going to be pulled and how fast they're drilling those too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no doubt that, that many companies have been struggling for, for capital, access to capital, and, and that definitely puts a damper on your drilling budget. Yeah, so I'm thinking, you know, it's kind of a little bit of maybe some of that as well. Well, along those same lines, there was a new IHS market study that now projects that the Permian's production growth will level out at 2021. And some of the earlier studies had predicted that it would keep rising until at least 2025. So uh, what do you think about the earlier peak? What does it mean for the region and and for Texas for that matter? Well, and of course, the thing to note about any study is it's just one study, but I think there's a general consensus, you know, forming due to the issues we just talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, difficulty, you know, tighter access to capital. You've drilled up the best locations. Now you're in the development phase. And I think uh, generally these studies have projected to been too optimistic about the level of commodity price for crude oil. 
right. which is, you know, now in the mid-50s instead of what everybody hoped would be in the mid-60s a year ago. And so you you're, have a lot of factors converging to cause these studies to come out with more pessimistic projections. But, but the catch, of course, is that should something happen that cause the price for West Texas Intermediate to jump back up into the mid-60s again, and it looks like they're going to stay there, then these projections are going to go back further out in time for the peak of Permian production. So just one study, IHS market is uh, fantastic at these things. They're very credible. I'm not, not saying they're not. There's just one study, and and I do think it's reflective of the the general consensus right now. Right. But well, if the price changes, then it's that's going to change too. And price changing, these things can be as I won't say simple, but simplified, if you will, that they can be some conflict on the other side of the world can trigger issues. It can cause these prices to to go high, and 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 I kind of believe also that. Who can really determine how stable the rest of the world is? You just look out and you see conflict almost all the time. Rather, it's um, you know someone attacking. Yeah, particularly in the Middle East, where a right. lot of the oil is internationally. Exactly. So, I mean, I kind of look at these studies and realize, yes, but, you know, what was it last year, two years ago, when you and I were talking about the price of oil and, you know, we were pretty steady until some things started to happen. Everything was built around OPEC. And now that doesn't really seem to be the only issue at hand. You've got right. all the disturbance going on in the Middle East and all these other different factors that come in and play a part on, you know, what is going to be the real price and how much can they drill. And, of course, when it goes up, the drillers uh, or operators get back to drilling again. David, we are going to get ready to bring on Congressman Cloud, who we were able to catch up with. You did an amazing piece on him in Shell Magazine, and so we wanted to catch up with him and just cover the article and what's been going on with him. And of course, we talked a little bit about the impeachment process that we were getting ready to go into. If you want to hang tight, we'll bring you back in in the last segment of the show. But we are going to catch up with Congressman Cloud. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 2407188 again 2102407188 plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex home to the state of the art conference and education center conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi the center hosts meetings educational workshops and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. 
Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Remember this name, oil field experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil field experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato, and today we are being joined in studio by Congressman Cloud of the 27th District. Congressman Cloud, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Well, thank you, Kim. It's really good to be back with you. Well, I wanted to have you on because Shell Magazine did a cover with you recently, and they were able to catch up with you and talk a little bit about some of the things that you had been able to accomplish in a very, very short period of time that you've been in office. Uh, But before we get started talking about the interview and covering some oil and gas topics, what were you doing before you decided to run for office, and how long have you been in office, and where's your district? Yeah, my district is 27th District of Texas. Uh, Corpus Christi is the major city in our district. I live in Victoria. It it includes the Gulf Coast, uh, almost going all the way to Houston, uh, cuts over toward Austin, uh, through Gonzales, Slovakia, uh, almost to Caldwell and Bastrop counties, or includes Caldwell and Bastrop counties. So it's really deep South Texas. It's deep South Texas. But some of the best South Texas, because it's oil country, too. I I love it. Uh, I love the diversity of our district. Uh, I love what's going on in our district. It's exciting to be a part of the projects that are not only so important to our district, but play such an important role of what's going on in our nation and uh, affects the geopolitical landscape. Um, it's exciting to be a, a part of those kind of those kind of projects. Now, you haven't always been set up to be an elected official or a politician, if you will. What were you doing prior to starting? Yeah, this was not a career plan for me by any means. I mean, I grew you just up kind of fell into it. Grew up with a love for country. I got involved. Uh, a little over a decade ago, just in grassroots volunteerism, just wanting to help out. Uh, I'd worked at a church uh, coming out of college, started a small business, uh, was happy doing what I was doing, was asked to consider running for this post, and of course said no right away. <laughs> but uh, If you're smart, you won't, which yeah. you did, because you were really smart. We it, needed you. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, my wife and I prayed about it and really felt, looking at where the nation was, that it, it was something, you know, long story short, that we were supposed to be involved with. And so ran a really grassroots campaign and ended up uh, being elected and, and just about a year and a half ago uh, in a special election. And so... Certainly an honor to serve and do our best to, to serve our district and the country. Well, it is uh, refreshing to see that you are from outside of the political circle, and so you have fresh eyes when you go to D.C. Recently, you were featured in Shell Magazine, and they had an opportunity to sit down with you and talk to you a little bit about President Trump. 
you know, you were barely 90 days in, or 90 days, if you will, and yeah. you're picked to get on Air Force One with President Trump. In Shell Magazine, in your cover that they did on you, you basically talked about what you chose to talk about. So tell me a little bit about the <laughs> meeting that you had with President Trump on Air Force One. And, of course, it led to some really great things. So tell us about it. Uh, yeah, of course, you know, I'm 90 days into office. We're still setting up staff, getting systems in place and all that kind of thing. But one of the very first things we wanted to do was uh, was to make the case for uh, the energy port in our district, the Corpus Christi port, and, and what it would mean, not only, of course, in our district and in all of Texas, but what it would mean if we could expand the capabilities of there for the trade balance, uh, what, what it would do to strengthen our hand in a number of the geopolitical conversations that are going on. And so we had started those conversations with the administration. And of course, you know, I'm about three months in and I get the call from my chief of staff and we were, I was Is with it my, like, hey, you're not going to believe this because you're so loud. <laughs> I was actually walking into the Corpus Christi Aquarium with my kids and I, I got the call and my chief was like, okay, so here's the deal. Um, the president's going to be in Houston. Could you ride back with him and make the case? It was funny to me that it came as a question, right? It's like, can you ride on Air Force One with the president back and, and talk about what's going on in, in your district? And, you know, it's let me check my schedule. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out how to make that one work. Right. Uh, and so I had the opportunity to meet him and talk to him about what was going on. He, he had some really uh, important questions, you know, wanted to make sure that we had the buy-in with the state and the community and, and to make sure that we're spending federal monies wisely. And, and when he saw that there's private investments going in, when he saw that the state's doing their part to, to maintain the infrastructure and build the infrastructure needed, and, and then the port had their money ready to match the port, dollar for the dollar. The port had their money ready. And so this is everybody everybody going all in to, to do what's best for the country. And so uh, from a from a policy standpoint at that point, it, it was an easy sell. Of course, then you have to do the follow through and, and work to make sure it gets done. The appropriation and the money getting uh, right. towards it and stuff, of course. Yeah. And so it, it was neat the very next day he was at an event on a different topic, but stopped in the middle of it and said, hey, I was talking to the guys from Texas yesterday and they're trying to get the big ships in. And he described the whole process. We need to expand that port to get it in uh, to so that they can get the big ships in and, and get more American oil out to the world. And, you know, we were able to take that video and shop it around everybody in the administration and and uh, let everybody know how important this was to the president to make sure that this project got done. And so we've seen the beginning of it. Uh, you know, it's it's that must be huge, though, to just think about that. You were really I mean, the port has worked very hard to get on the radar with the administration as well, investing a lot of time and energy. Right. And it seems like when we cover we cover the port a lot, it, mm -hmm. it is going to be the energy port of the United States. It's already well on it that way. But they needed to do some stuff. And the right. fact that the port had put a lot of resources, a lot of time, energy, but it needed that superstar status, and that was you. So maybe it was uh, <laughs> the crane. Maybe it was its timing. It's about timing. It's right. about who you know, and uh, you were perfect. So well, any any time something like that gets done, it's a team effort, you know. And people have been working on it for true, for but you many, carry many, that football into. The end zone. Well, well yeah, it, you know, when you run the last few yards, you know that you didn't get to the 95 yard line uh, by yourself. You know, you, you ran that extra bit. And so it's certainly uh, awesome to be a part of it, but exciting and for everybody who's invested so much into making sure we got this far. Good deal. You're very humble. Last year, President Trump announced that we were pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. Right. And one year later, this week, he has actually officially removed us from the Paris Climate Accord. I want your opinion on why was it so important for us to pull out? And with other countries that we know are bigger polluters on the planet, we've got China and India 
who are the biggest polluters. And you have the UN looking at the United States for us to make these changes now. But isn't the climate accord basically nothing more than a piece of paper with goals on it with really no teeth to it? If we're going to talk about things like Jane Fonda talking about we have 11 years left or AOC 12 years left from the point of no return. And and it's scary to think about that these people in such whether they're elected official or a superstar are saying these things. And now we see kids are committing suicide because they're terrified of this. Mm -hmm. I want to get your thoughts coming back from break on something needs to be done to stop this rhetoric because it's dangerous now for our children. And what was the real benefit of staying in it? And why did we need to pull out? We're going to take a quick break. When we return, I want to get on the topic of the Paris Climate Accord. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Congressman Cloud of the 27th District. Congressman Cloud, before the break, I was talking about the Paris Climate Accord, President Trump making an official pulling this out, and talking uh, also to you about my thoughts on how this rhetoric is really, truly causing big problems for our children. We have already seen suicides in our most vulnerable population, our children, and it's scaring our elderly. I want your opinion on the Paris Climate Accord, for one, and two, tell me what you think the solution is. How do we stop this rhetoric, and what was the importance of us pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord? The importance is just the recognition that an agreement that we're the only ones participating in and really upholding our end of the bargain isn't really an agreement. No, uh, and, and so he really, in a sense, just made official what was the practice of already what was happening. And the, and the truth is, is uh, those concerned about the environment, the U.S. has been leading the charge in reduction of all kind of greenhouse yes. gases and, and everything. And so the answer that I try to talk to people about isn't us running back into the forest and pretending like the industrial age didn't happen. The answer for us is to continue to develop, to innovate uh, new technologies that are helping us to, to solve some of these questions that we have. But that those the research for those new investments uh, and new innovations uh, and technologies come out of a thriving economy. And so the the world's demand on energy is going up regardless of what we do. That's, that's going to happen. And, and that's actually a good thing. That's that's people being mobile. That's people coming out of poverty. That's people having heating for their house for the first time, you know, across the world. And so that's a good thing. The question becomes, how do we meet that need? Uh, do we want American companies meeting that need who are going to do it far more responsibly than other countries? Or do we want other countries who don't have our best intention in mind? And so the answer for me is real simple. Uh, let's let's keep America on the forefront. 
we're going to do it much more responsibly. Uh, and, and then it also puts us in a stronger position geopolitically to deal with some of the threats uh, against free society. And, you know, you're bringing up a good point because most people don't realize how this is a matter of national security. I can't tell you how many wars we have fought because we ha- didn't have access to energy. Now we're providing it. We're providing it to our allies. We're exporting LNG and crude. I mean, this is a game changer. And yet you see these people who are keeping it in the ground and want to scare people and children are committing suicide. The UN, why are they not moving forward? Of If, if it's such a problem, uh, the climate change, which, by the way, it's always changing. And I don't think there's any executive that we've interviewed or, or talked to that is not concerned about the planet they live into and their children and their wives and their families. But why is China and India, which are far bigger polluters and they're not as green and they don't look towards what we're doing here in the United States, isn't it kind of disingenuous to be asking the United States to do these things in the Paris Climate Accord, and yet the two biggest polluters on the planet are not being asked to do anything? How right. do people not understand this and buy into this and continue to push this rhetoric? And when do we hold our elected officials that are doing this out publicly what happens to these people i mean i know we can elect them out of office or right. not reelect them but it just seems like this is such a wrong road that we're on when our children are committing suicide yeah well it comes down to of course we get the nation we deserve we get the nation we show up and vote for but it, it, education becomes such an important key element in this you know when i talk to kids in schools uh one of the the things I joke about, you know, the myths that you hear about uh, government. Myths. One is that that uh, paper straws will save the planet. You know, t- okay. <laughs> 90% of yeah. the plastic in the world's oceans is coming from 10 rivers in, in uh, Asia and India and that, and that that region of the world. It, it's, it's not... Did you never hear that? You know, but we have kids carrying metal straws to, to school because they're concerned about these things. And so it's important that we put these discussions, not that we we aren't concerned. We are concerned. We want to leave a, a better world, a better economy, a better opportunity for our kids. Um, but let's, let's have real conversations about this uh, based on a way forward and get out of the hyperbole of the situation, uh, the alarmism that is just really counterproductive and, and doesn't really hold any weight. You know, when I heard Jane Fonda just yesterday discussing that we have 11 years for the point of no return, it just really made me an angry parent and an angry grandparent because, you know, this is a woman who does have a platform and she's not a scientist and she's not basing it off of any scientific data. And I'm not saying that I'm not for recycling and using other sources of energy, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between let's do this in a path forward that makes sense, that is a, a change over in a path to some degree forward versus just the house is on fire, we need Mm -hmm. to stop this right now uh, or else, uh, and it's causing really harmful effects on the most vulnerable people. When we get back from break, Congressman Cloud, I want to talk about some of the things that are going on in D.C. and your thoughts on where does Texas go and how do you lead us there. But we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com.
We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Congressman Cloud of the 27th District. Congressman Cloud, you travel to Washington a lot as part of your job. We've noticed that you focus on Texas community and the economy, but we also have seen that there is a lot coming out of D.C. with impeachment now, impeachment hearings coming out of the House. Some of the most important things that you think we need to know, what are you working on when it comes down to the impeachment and then, of course, keeping the Texas economy strong? Yeah, well, I'm on the oversight committee, so I'm one of the committees that are in there in the skiff listening to the depositions come out. I and saw you on Facebook that they would not allow you <laughs> to uh, read. and, and uh, Right. I'm supposed to have access to some of the testimony. Some of those depositions have taken place when we're back in the district serving the needs of our district. And so, you know, we're supposed to have access to be able to read what what was done and we've been denied access four or five times this? now. Um, it's 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 almost a lawless situation. It's at best a manipulating of the rules to fit a certain predetermined construct. And, you know, the disappointing thing just as an American is to sit in there and, and hear the testimony and know that only part of the story is getting out. Uh, and, so what they're I, saying that they're leaking is uh, truthful, right? And only only part of it, only part of the story that fits a certain narrative is is getting leaked. Um, I, I'm convinced if these were uh, these depositions, these testimonies were held out in the light of day, and you were able to see the cross examination uh, and see how people are answering questions and those kind of things, that America's viewpoint on this uh, would be much more supportive of of the president and what is being done. What's the real sad thing about this is when when the House flipped is all the talk about, you know, an infrastructure package that could be put together, or this you know bipartisan season that we could usher in, and the amount of things that are not getting done because this is taking up so much bandwidth is, is really disappointing. And so it, it really is, because to the American people, myself as a voter, when are we going to talk about immigration? How are we going to, we've got uh, right. NAFTA and, and how are we going to get through this uh, UMCA? UMCA or, yeah. And yeah. there's really important work that needs to get done in Congress. And nothing's right. happening because we're on this phony baloney impeach. And that's what it is, is a phony baloney impeach. I'm wondering where these Democrats think that they get ahead when you realize 63 million Americans voted for this president. And you're basically telling these 63 million that your vote didn't matter. And you know where it is going to matter? At the voting box, when these people like myself are upset because we know this is not the American way. The accuser mm-hmm. has the right, if you're going to accuse somebody, they have the right to challenge and bring that out and challenge them. And we're not even allowing this to our president. Well, the person who wrote the impeachment resolution has said we need to impeach him because if we don't, he might get reelected. Uh, and so that tells you something. And I'll say this, there, there's people on both sides of the aisle who are there to do the real work. Uh, people I would sure. even disagree with on policy issues who are there and want to get back to the the can't. real issues, but they can't because of uh, who's controlling the floor right now. Right. And so even the bills you see coming to the floor aren't really going through any sort of committee process. Uh, they're not be- really being constructed to be a real bill that might actually get something done. Uh, they're w- what people call messaging bills in the sense of uh, they have a nice title. They they're they're meant to be able to message for the for the 2020. And it's the unfortunate thing that in Washington too often that. The next election is what drives the process instead of what's best for the American people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and this one is definitely going to be a landslide and not on the Democrats because if you listen to the rallies, they're growing and these people are getting more and more and more upset because they know what's happening. They're not stupid. And I think it's going to be a good day for the Republicans when we do vote 
Let's change gears a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you're working on to keep Texas going and the economy strong and and yeah. uh, where are we going with immigration? We haven't heard a whole lot. That's been quiet, but we still need to get some work done on that. Right. One of the one of the things we've done is realizing the the landscape that we're in in Congress. We still are working the legislative process and doing what we can, but seeing where that is and knowing that's more of a, a long term prospect, uh, we've we've done what we can to work with the administration to get, see some fixes on things. So. Uh, when it comes to, for example, what's going on in the port, talking directly to, to the president about it, uh, when it comes to what's going on at the border and immigration, uh, I met, I'm on the interparliamentary group between the U.S. and Mexico, and just last weekend we were meeting with some of their delegates uh, in in Mexico to talk about a, n- a number of these common issues and how we can find common ground on what's going on. I mean, we saw this morning the news was nine Americans uh, right. just murdered by cartels. And, and for us, understanding that, there may be differences on the issues, but we can all agree, Republican, Democrat, Mexico, U.S., that these cartels are a vice uh, to our communities. And kind of thing that I've talked about is the fact that what's going on with those cartels, especially a couple specific ones, they're affecting our communities in, in a much more negative way than what's going on in Afghanistan, for example. And for us to realize that for us to realize that we need to treat them almost as an enemy combatant at our border and and and. And so some of our conversations with Mexico had to do with getting that. What can we do to foster that kind of participation? Because they're not doing Mexico any favor. They're not doing Central and South America any favor. Uh, they're a corrupting influence, in, in not only just in, in the drug and human trafficking trade, but also in legitimate business and government and those kind of things. Uh, what can we do to, to rid our hemisphere of, of their influence or certainly at least start mitigating it? Um, those are important conversations to have. And so we've been able to put together working groups to come up with solutions uh, and work with the administration on some of the administrative actions you've seen take place over the last several months. Um, and, and then doing what we can. I mean, some bills are very slowly working their way through Congress and just making sure that district priorities are involved in that. And, and of course, you know, you have 435 people uh, interested in stuff for their district. For, but for us to be able to go and make the case that, you know, especially these energy projects that are going on, what it does for the, the trade balance, what it does to strengthen our hand uh, geopolitically against countries that are adversaries to us. And then um, also strengthen our hand in, in these trade deals that the president's working on. You know, these are all things that um, progress is being made on. Uh, I wish they would get top of the fold <laughs> front page news, but but we are continuing to work and make progress on all these issues. Well, you keep doing what you're doing. At some point, they're going to impeach this president and then it's going to take it to the Senate and it's going to be squashed. But we do appreciate you coming in. I know your time is very valuable in reference to a lot of work or you're getting done out there. And I'd also like to say that you really are doing a great job and keep it up. We look forward to having you you back on the show at some point when you can clear your calendar again and come in and talk to us about what's going on in D.C. Uh, But that's all the time we have for the show. Thank you, Congressman Cloud. And for more information on your story, I encourage our listeners to go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G dot com. And you can read all about Congressman Cloud and even send him an email and Tell him how much you appreciate the things he's doing in D.C. Thank you, Congressman. Thank you very much. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- 
471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And now it's time to bring back on our resident energy expert, David Blackman. David, thank you for hanging around while we caught up with Congressman Cloud for a real quick interview. Let's get back on some of the questions because there's a lot going on in the energy industry. And we were talking about earlier the Permian Basin and how uh, Scott Sheffield had, you know, made somewhat of a prediction pertaining to the Permian Basin, but he also urged his fellow producers to be more proactive in the issue of flaring. And you and I have talked about this before on the show. Oh, yeah. He and his company's policy is that they do not put their complete wells on production until they are connected to a natural gas sales line. Doesn't that sound like a lot more of a reasonable approach to you versus just drill and I was going through Eagle Ford just yesterday and I think I saw like four different um, flaring um, areas yeah and it was kind of a you hadn't I hadn't seen that in a while in Eagle Ford you know in Eagle Ford yeah if you're going down highway 1 123 there's several uh, flares the last several times I've been down that way um, a couple of them are at production facilities uh, you know it's and and gas processing plants right uh, you know, where there's going to be periodic flares. But what, what Mr. Sheffield is talking about here is the issue of wellhead flaring. When you have a well that hasn't been hooked up to a natural gas sales line, but you want to produce that oil and get the oil sold to, to create that revenue stream, uh, a lot of companies, you know, will go ahead and hook up and sell the oil and then flare the natural gas. Well, a reputational issue for, for the industry, as you and I have talked about many times before, you know, particularly in the last year, 
And it's been an issue in every major shell play in America for this industry for the last 20 years. And, you know, they really have not, as an industry, developed a proactive approach to resolving this issue, you know, in a proactive way, rather than having it become an issue that has to be, you know, litigated in the news medium with regulators. There you go. But, yeah, I think Pioneer's approach makes all kinds of sense. Uh, you know, but but every company's different. Every company has different economic uh, drivers, uh, different you know um, pressures being put on the company to increase revenue streams, and so it's it's hard to say there's a one size fits all approach that really works for every company. But you know, we, we heard from Wayne Christian just a few weeks ago lecturing the industry at a formal railroad commission hearing about the need to do something to to fix this issue in the Permian Basin. And, um, you know, it's just it's a real black eye for the industry that it just continues without any kind of organized industry response. So I'm, I'm glad to see Scott talking about it, frankly. And the Railroad Commission. And I think it kind of goes back to the a lot of the cash and, and funding that they had on from Wall Street was removed because they weren't disciplined in returning profits back to their shareholders. And it kind of seems like, okay, you've got an environmental issue and um, maybe it's the price of doing business that it's the right thing to do. And Pioneer has it right in reference to, look, we're just not going to do this. We're going to practice a good method and therefore we're not going to drill until we're ready to drill and we can. And but one other thing I'd like to add on that is, is that we have a presidential election coming up in, in 12 months and the industry has been very fortunate in the Permian Basin that that the Trump administration has been in power for the last three years. If this had been a Hillary Clinton administration, there would have been a major crackdown on flaring from the federal government through the regulatory process. Right. And if Elizabeth Warren becomes our next pre- president or Bernie Sanders. Oh, that's just scary. Edge, it's just scary. Yeah, any of them, there's going to be a major crackdown forced from the federal government on flaring so pioneer has a proactive approach to it it makes sense for their company other companies need to figure out a proactive approach that makes sense for their companies and there are numerous ways to address this so uh, you can't just count on the election you know going one way next year uh, as a as a business you have to plan for these these kinds of things and and i'm glad to see pioneer doing it well, and one thing I do hope is that our listeners understand that, you know, between Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, and Bernie Sanders, they're talking about from day one, just completely shutting off fracking. And Texas needs to hear that loud and clear because there oh, is, yeah. you know, we would just completely be a completely different looking state if that were to happen. Um, and country. It, it would and country, yeah. It would an immediate economic recession, a massive one. If, exactly. If you were to do that. Yeah. So... And what do they say? Elections have consequences. Let's switch gears and <laughs> switch gears and talk about Sergio Chapa, one of our great friends at the Houston Chronicle. Uh, he had an interesting piece. He was talking about the possibility of bottlenecks, the bottleneck issue again coming up in the Permian Basin because, and, and this is kind of strange, the, the cellular width uh, bandwidth <laughs> in the industry and in the field um, on the personnel out there. What's going on? Why has it become such a big issue? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, there, there's been such a rapid growth of, of cellular telephone use 
for all kinds of data transmissions uh, mm-hmm. in the oil and gas industry and all the other businesses that rely on the oil and gas industry. It's eating up all the bandwidth. <laughs> you know, from, Everybody's I mean, gotten digital up. You know, we, we, we yeah, talk about it a lot. Everybody's gone digital. Right. Yeah, in the oil industry, you're, you're used to talking about bottlenecks with pipelines and, you know, and, the, and that sort of infrastructure or not enough frack sand. Or, but now we're talking about, about cellular bandwidth. And, yeah, so, you know, one of the big drivers, of course, is that these companies are rapidly adopting these technologies that, that rely on strong cellular service to do all sorts of data transmission for them. And, uh, yeah, it's becoming a real logjam out there. And, of course, it slows your response time and causes interruptions in your service and all that all kinds of stuff, which ends up costing companies money. And uh, so it's a big deal. And, and I know the cellular companies are doing their best to address it, but that takes time. And uh, so, yeah, it's going to be an issue for uh, for a while here over the next year or two. I'm sure with these companies, these uh, telecommunication companies and cellular companies, they are definitely, it's on their radar. AT&T is probably on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they are. Well, what a treat that we were able to have two segments with you. I'm so glad we were able to because there was a lot to cover. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Look forward to having you on next week when I'm sure there will be a lot more to discuss on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.